Oh, I, I probably would already be in prison. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure this is taking place in America, the highest, right? Oh, I see. Yeah, I'm in prison already. <laughs> oh, wait, no, they won't even let me in, so I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the heist is you breaking into America. <laughs> stealing their freedom. <laughs> right. Hello and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El-Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylog team. So today we're going to talk about Ocean's Eleven and heists. Yes, uh, as always, if you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter at The Story Toolkit and the website, thestorytoolkit.wordpress.com. You can email us direct through that, which is how and why we are talking about Ocean's Eleven, because this is another um, listener question episode. We had uh, the author Adam Maxwell get in touch um, and we exchanged a couple of emails and he, uh, author of The Dali Deception. Yeah. Um I like his titles. I haven't read any of his work, but I really like the titles. I have a lot of time for those kind of titles. Dali Deception and uh, the one with all the Ps. Oh, man, I can't remember. It was great. <laughs> I really liked it. Um, and he, yeah, he wanted us to talk about uh, heist stories. Um, and as Ocean's Eleven is uh, it's in my top ten. Oh, wait, wait, heist stories? I thought we were doing about actual heists, like how to get away with an actual crime. Real life crime. That's what I'm here for, right? To tell you how to get away with a crime. There is no way, (laughs) even on a timeline long enough, enough, (laughs) where you have the intelligence and know-how to get away with a heist. I I really thought that when you mentioned timeline, that there's no way I'd be on time to do do the heist. It'd be like, okay, everyone's synchronized their watches. Like, that is an hour late. Damn. What's gone wrong? <laughs> Falling apart. Immediately cut to Bass in prison. <laughs> or the rest of the team in prison and you're just... Oh, I, I probably would already be in prison. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure this is taking place in America, the heist, right? Oh, I see. Yeah, I'm in prison already. <laughs> oh, wait, no, they won't even let me in, so I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the heist is you breaking into America. <laughs> stealing their freedom. <laughs> Right. So, heist. <laughs> Such a good idea. <laughs> Ocean's it. Eleven. Uh-huh. I remember there was a stand-up comedian. <laughs> oh, this is good. This is related. There's a stand-up comedian. And I forget who it was. I think... I can't remember who it was. But he was talking about... He did this whole routine about how every man in the audience wants to be in a heist. Just once before they die. So everyone wants to do this. Every single man. Women, you don't understand this. Men desperately want to do a heist just once before they die. He's right. I think we all do want to just do one heist. One last job, man. Maybe that's... that's, I've not analysed it too much. Maybe that's why I love Ocean's Eleven so much. Because you want to do a heist. Because deep down I'm just thinking, yeah, I I could be Rusty. I could be... I could could be Andy Garcia. I could be Saul. Yeah. I've got the hairline for Saul. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so Ocean's Eleven. Um, spoilers. <laughs> uh, but brief rundown of Ocean's Eleven. Um, Danny Ocean gets out of prison um, and is met by his friend uh, Rusty, and uh, quickly established that he wants. Are you doing the Ocean's Eleven music? Is that why you're doing? I am doing the Elvis music in my head as you're doing this. 
Um, <laughs> and he convinces Rusty to uh, stop it. Please stop. He convinces Rusty to um, uh, uh, to start planning a heist with him, or to do this heist with him, because he wants to rob Andy Garcia's character, um, who uh, he has history with him, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, because he stole Julia Roberts. That's right, which we don't know until we don't know at this point. We don't know. First, no. He has that whole speech about the house always wins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, do you like that speech? I prepared it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, feels like I rushed it. Is yeah. it all right? No, no, yeah, it's fine. fine it's fine. fine. So yeah, they 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 agree to uh, um, to rob uh, Andy Garcia, um, and they go his through his giant casino, giant casino. on fight night. Yeah. It's fight night, um, right? It is fight night. It is fight night. I was going to get to that. But he starts putting the team together, and so they get this sort of crack team, and there's these two kind of crazy brothers who are like uh, the sort of heavy-duty guys, and um, you have Don Cheadle playing the the British explosives expert, and um, there's all these other great guys uh, uh, with different skills on the team, and uh, you just uh, they, they go through the plan, which is to not just rob one of Andy Garcia's casinos, it's to rob three of them. Oh yeah, because they're all kept in the vault to the MGM Grand, and given That's at any right. given time, there's going to be uh, um, a certain amount of money in there, and on on the weekend that goes up to seventy million, and on a mm. fight night, the night that they're planning to do it. Uh, there's going to be something like 150 million in That's right. the vault. So they go through the plan. So they get to the casino, um, and the the bulk of the film is them piecemeal, just doing bit by bit um, uh, parts of this heist, like uh, um, which we'll come to a bit later, and we'll talk about specific examples. But things like um, you know getting uniforms, plugging in a little device so they can access the security cameras, um, getting um, uh, Frank, the dealer, uh, a job there, stuff like I that. Really, just went straight to Philly as soon as you said Frank. Oh, Frank, oh, I'm just like this. The, the whole film just changed in my head immediately. <laughs> the crew of Philly are involved okay. in this heist. Um, midway, <laughs> midway through the heist, you find out that uh, uh, Danny's ex-wife is now with Andy Garcia, so it's personal for Danny. Yes. Um, and, and Rusty's uh, like. Tell me this isn't about her. It's not about her. <laughs> if you had the choice between the money and Tess, who would it be? And he, uh, he says something like, I'm hoping that if it goes right, I won't be the one making that decision. Yeah. Which comes back later. Um, yeah. So yeah, they they, they, uh, they perform this heist. Um, hilarity ensues because it's, it's a really fun movie. So there's a lot of fun, uh, yes. a lot of funny moments. Um, uh, Danny Ocean gets caught like, um, and then kind of locked in a room. Um, uh, oh, no, things are going off rail. Yeah. I'm going off topic already. Well, no, don't worry, because when you said Danny, I immediately thought of Danny DeVito went back to Frank again. Oh, jeez, what's and wrong totally, with you? Stop but, it. No, I, I was thinking, when you mentioned something, that, that how funny this was, I remembered, my. I think, my favourite gag is actually from Ocean's 13, which is the bit where Casey Affleck is telling the person in the hotel, pack your things to get out of the hotel. It's really funny, and it is Ocean's 13. It's not this one. I keep getting those two mixed up because I thought there were bits from Ocean's... I remember Ocean's 11's ending. I remember like how much better Ocean's 11 is to Ocean's 13, but there's little bits in Ocean's 13 right. I keep putting into Ocean's okay. 11 because they're both casino-related. Anyway, so where were we? Danny Ocean. Uh, uh, yeah, so Rusty says, like, hey, Danny, uh, is this about the girl? And he's like... Yes, 
but I also want some money. <laughs> and they're like, ha ha, okay, I trust you because we've got this amazing plan that we haven't told the audience about yet. And then they go do the plan. Yeah, so they get into the uh, into the vaults, what team comes in, and uh, from from the way that it's presented, you imagine that they, they um, uh, get caught. Yeah, because Danny Ocean gets taken away at first. He right? gets taken away. He gets, then uh, he sort of sneaks out, gets involved in the heist. That's right, that's right. Now I'm back on track. We don't um, know he sneaked out, though. No, you do. You watch him sneak out. Do you? Yes, you do. He goes to help out with the heist, then gets back. Oh, that's back. right, yeah, because you see the guy punching him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Then gets back um, um, because Andy Garcia, who just uh, finds out he's just been robbed, first person he goes to is Danny Ocean. So he confronts Danny, and that's where the, the moment happens where um, Danny says, you know, if I knew who robbed you, would you give up Tess? Mm. And at this point, it cuts to cameras and... Uh, uh, Tess Julia Roberts um, is by now watching this conversation takes place, and uh, and so um, uh, Andy says, "Yes, I would give up Tess." Yeah. Um, but Danny says, "Okay, I'll make some calls." Yeah. He kind of tricks him, and then Andy Garcia angrily just lets him go. Yeah. Um, and we see as well um, the 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 heist, how it really went down. They kind of double bluff you, and we'll come to that a bit later as well. Like a magic trick. Yeah, like a magic trick. Um, Which makes sense. It takes place in Vegas in a casino. Yeah, true, true. Uh, And they actually get away away with it. They pose as the SWAT team going into into the vault, uh, and they walk out as the SWAT team, bags filled with... Yeah, which is what they said they do. We walk out with all the money. How do we get the money out? We're going to walk it out the front door, Yeah, which is what they do. Uh, To awesome music... That's the the planning scene. That's yeah. right. The planning scene. Saul says, you know, say you say you get past the vault and you you, you know and you have the we get past the security uh, doors with the codes that we don't have, etc. <laughs> say we do all that. You just expect to walk out the front door, uh, and he says, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah. And they do, so they, they, walk, they walk really out cool. at the end. Um, yeah. Danny gets arrested again because he's violated his parole, um, goes back to prison, and then there's a cute little scene right at the end where he gets out of prison. So, yes, he goes, um, comes back out. And Andy Garcia's following Andy him. Andy Garcia's following him, and that's, that's yeah. See, um, if a very could, sketchy... This is why Bass... Because Garcia this. actually says to Danny Ocean, like, if I see you with a big Ferrari, I'm going to be really disappointed. Like, <laughs> if you spend the money that you stole, that I know you've stolen but can't prove... Like, because the thing that's interesting about Garcia's character there at the end is he knows Danny Ocean did it. Yeah. But he can't do anything about it because if he just takes Danny, Danny doesn't have the money. Whoever Danny did the job with has the money. So if he takes Danny to one side and kicks the crap out of him and tortures him for the information or whatever, he doesn't get the money. If he kills Danny, he doesn't get the money. He has to follow Danny to get the money. Right, I'm with you. Yeah, he yeah. can't. He can't. Like he can't. The fact that he has Danny Ocean right there in front of him, you, know, you think, why doesn't he just torture him for the information? It's like, what information is he going to give him? He doesn't have the money. Yeah. Someone else has the money. Whoever took the money isn't in the casino. Has gone. That's it. And so there's. He's lost. The only way he can get the money is somehow to get Danny to give him the money back. So he tries to threaten him. He tries to intimidate him. And when none of that works, he's like, I'm going to be watching you. And that's the end of it. So like, yeah. you better not spend that money. Because at some point I'm coming back for it, right? Like if you like, he's like he's kind of kind of like, you know if you give me the money back, it's all okay. Like, but you give me the money back, and that's the whole thing. So there's this, the whole thing about it. Like he can't just kill him. Whereas you know you'd think, well, he's just a proper full-on gangster, and just kill him. 
They won't get the money. He wants the money. That's yeah. what he cares about. He doesn't yeah, care yeah, about yeah, Danny. Yeah. It's like, I don't care. Da- let Danny live. doesn't matter. He would kill Danny to make a point, but he doesn't care as long as he gets the money. Okay. Right. So that was a slightly bimbly uh, synopsis. It's fine. Because there's <laughs> a double f- bluff. There is a double buff. We're going to fill Switching. in some of the blanks that I um, I purposefully left. Uh, okay, yes. so, right. What? Oh, I was just... I, I wasn't indicating... You left things you. out? Yeah, it's a two-hour movie. That that took six minutes tops. Oh, I thought we just watched it really, really quickly. <laughs> okay, um, it's a crime story. So let's talk about the roles in a crime. Yeah, so in a crime story, uh, you have the detective, and you have the criminal, and you have the victim. Right, uh, because basically what happens is you have a criminal that commits a crime, the crime has a victim, then you have a detective who tries to solve the crime. Okay, but in a crime story, it doesn't matter who, or other, in the crime story, any of them could be the protagonist. You could have a story told from the detective's point of view, the criminal's point of view, or the victim's point of view. That's how the subgenres break down of crime. So most time when you think of a crime story, you think of a murder mystery, right? You know, Sherlock Holmes, Hercule Poirot, all those guys, uh, and they're solving crimes. Columbo, of course, is the best one, as we've stated many times. <laughs> and when I say we, I mean I, because I'm right about this. He's the best detective. But when you have the detective, he's trying to solve the crime, catch the criminal. Where, But <clears throat> with heist stories, where the criminal is the protagonist, what happens is all those cluing elements that you have of how you clue the audience with the story, it switches point of view. So now, instead of the audience trying to work out who done it and trying to find all the clues, what they're doing this time is they're finding the clues and then saying to themselves, you've got to hide those clues mm. from the detective. They want the criminal to get away with it. So you want, you're want you paying attention from the criminal's point of view and you're hoping that the clues can get hidden. Um, <clears throat> so... So it's a, it's a sort of a whole switch on the whole genre. Uh, it just sort of reverses the genre. And it's it's still crime because it's still about justice. It's still about intrigue, right? It's still the same genre. It's just that the point of view is completely different. Um, because Ocean's Eleven is about justice, right? Yeah. He's getting justice from what happened to him. He lost years of his life in prison. Uh, he lost the woman he loves. And it's unjust, and so he's getting justice, right? Yeah. And that's why we're okay with him robbing Andy Garcia. Because Andy Garcia is a jerk. And so it's totally <laughs> fine that uh, he steals from him. And So the, the, the roles in Ocean and Ocean's Eleven then. Yeah. So we're obviously from the POV of the criminals. Yes. All 11 of them. Yes. Um, I mean, mainly through Danny. But yes. you know, you've got the whole, the whole team. Yeah. Um, by the way, on a side note, is this group protagonist? Yeah, it is. It's an ensemble. Yeah. yeah, they all want the same thing. Yeah, that's what I. That's what yeah. I thought. I mean, it, it it doesn't change what we're going to go through. It just no. just something that occurred. Yeah, to me. it is. Uh, okay, so Danny Ocean is the criminal, and so we see it through, or they're, they're the criminals, and and we see it through their point of view. So yeah, the detective is and Andy the, Garcia. Is Andy Garcia? Yeah, he's the detective of the story. He's the one trying to work out. Who stole from him and who, what they're up to and like what are these criminals up to? He's the detective basically, um, so he plays the detective role and we don't want him to work it out. So when he finds a clue, we immediately start thinking you've got to hide that clue. And he's also the victim. He's the victim of the crime. 
Yeah, because the crime's being committed yeah, against, against him. him. So sure. he's he's doing both, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so um, he's doing double duty. It's important, actually, uh, with the detective role to highlight that it's not necessarily Andy Garcia physically discovering the clues. It can be the people that work for him. Yeah, his whole operation. Yeah, yeah, In the yeah, same yeah. way that you could have like a, a detective who has um, uh, cops on them. Exactly, yeah. You know, or or yeah. um, what would you call it, the... The snitches and stuff. Sure. So we're not we're not talking literally <coughs> Andy there with a magnifying glass. Go. I see. <laughs> and a pipe. Yeah. Um uh, but he and his team at frequent times in the movie sort of come very, yeah. very close to uh, yeah, they're well, try- I mean they discover clues, but yeah, they're trying Danny to solve- manages to get yeah. away with it. Exactly. That's what they're trying to do because the, the detective criminal victim like detective doesn't mean they have to actually be a cop. You can have journalists who are detectives. Yeah, people who aren't in any like the girl on the train, the detective of girl on the train, isn't anyone in the police. It's it's um, Emily Blunt's character. Yeah, of course. Right, yeah. she's the detective of the story. Yeah. So it's just the name of the role, right? And so Andy Garcia is the detective, and Danny Ocean's the criminal, and Garcia is also the victim of the crime. Yeah, and so it's a criminal on criminal type enterprise type thing. Okay. But yeah. And <clears throat> um, with that in mind, then. Um, uh, examples then of uh, just to kind of broaden the definition examples just of uh, uh, um, we, you, um, the caper and the revenge story. Oh, well, the, the, basically the, there's two there's two sort of further um, breakdowns of this criminal story which is either the criminal is um, committing a crime on legal society or he, they're committing a crime on illegal society so Danny Ocean is committing a crime on another criminal. Yeah. Whereas, say, someone like um, Butch Cassidy in The Sundance Kid, they're committing crime on society, a legal society. Yeah. And the difference between the two is simply that uh, is the nature of um, of the victim, right? The victim is a criminal. The cr- victim is legal. And uh, when you've got a det- when you've got a criminal that's committing a crime against society. Right, all the institutions of society all come into play. They have to break laws to do it. Whereas, whereas when they're against another criminal, the laws they're breaking are sort of laws of honor. You know, honor among thieves. Yeah. And so, uh, typically, um, what will happen is that uh, that sense of honor and dishonor will become um, will become more important. So justice becomes a bit more personalized. You know, because it's about honor. It's outside of the courts of law and stuff. Yeah. Um, and their life is generally going to be in jeopardy if they're up against criminals because they'll just kill them. But th- that's sort of a slight breakdown between those two. Yeah, things, it was like bit, the type of victim that they're up yeah, against. Yeah, it was more to get a sort of picture surrounding Ocean's Eleven because yeah. high stories can fit into either of those. Yeah, you can have. There's absolutely the case. Like the town is a high story against society, right? He robs banks. Yeah. Um, pardon me. And so, um, uh, Butch Cassidy, you know, they do their heists train jobs against society like it doesn't matter which uh the thing about the heist genre is people sort of act like the heist genre is sort of a separate genre yeah. entirely and it's not it's a subgenre it's the criminals uh point of view but the heist can be either one of these which is why i call it caper and revenge plots yeah the caper plot being against society revenge being against criminals be, uh because the heist could be either one, and so the problem the the problem when you're doing genre research, as always, is if the net you cast is too small, 
all you're going to learn is cliches and mistake them for conventions because you'll think oh every heist works this way so your net's way too small you know it's like if, if you want to find out what crime stories are and you say well i'm only going to consider stories that have policemen and uh as as the protagonist well then you're going to ignore things like all the stories where journalists uncover crimes you're going to ignore the girl on the train you're going to you would even, you'd even ignore like private eyes right because they're not police yeah. Right. You ignore Chinatown and all this. So it's if you cast the net too small, you won't learn enough, right? Yeah. So, um, so that's why I'm saying like I, the heist genre is kind of, I mean, it's it's a nice name, but it's it, what it really means is it's just it's a story from the criminal's point of view, and uh, they could be up. They they don't have to have the overly elaborate heist. Yeah. You don't have to do that and still have it be a heist story where they're pulling off a crime. Can I just briefly bring up the con job? Yeah. The kind of con stories. Yeah. Um, because I know we discussed this briefly off mic, but actually it's now sort of relevant to this because yeah. people might be thinking, you know, what about this type of story? Um, yeah. Um, uh, but you would you would put the con into, I mean, it's effectively a heist. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. I would say the Lady Killers is a heist and the heist is really short. They pull sure. off a heist, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. after the heist, they sort of start killing each other to get away with all the money, because <laughs> um, they think they're going to rat each other out. Um, but it's the, for me, the heist is a story where it's about the criminal pulling off the crime and getting away with it. Right. And so sometimes that might mean that the crime is uh, really elaborate, or sometimes yeah. the crime is really simple. Uh, sometimes it might mean they pull off the crime really quickly, and then it's all about them getting away with it. Yeah. And sometimes it's about them pulling off the crime because once they pull off the crime, they've gotten away with it, which is yeah. the Ocean's Eleven thing, right? Yeah. It's all about whether or not they can pull it off. If they pull it off, they've gotten away with it. This, so it's, that's that's to do with um, um, kind of subtleties in the dramatic question, then, yeah. surely. You know, what question are you asking? Yeah, If exactly. you're asking, how, like in Ocean's Eleven, yeah. how are they going to, yeah. to pull this off yeah. is the... Is the yeah, major is the major question through the movie. Yeah. Whereas in the Lady Killer, it's not about how they're going to pull it off. It's it's yeah. different. Yeah, it's like the committing of the crime is what's really the focus, as opposed to them getting away with it. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Whereas Butch Cassidy in Sundance is all about them getting away with the crime. Yeah, they commit the crime very early on, and then how do they get away with it? Yeah. And in both cases, I mean, I, I think it's it's a it. I, I don't think there comes a point where. Um, you know, a certain point in the telling where if you haven't committed the crime, it's suddenly a heist. And if you, <laughs> you know I mean, I don't think it yeah, transitions okay. like that. It's, um, yeah, it's not like it's, there's not a magic uh, beat that you hit which suddenly yeah, pings it into the yeah, heist genre. It's, well, it, it's just because before we before we discussed it today, I was think I, I knew con jobs and heists were very similar, but I would defi- I defined it slightly differently. But it was the yeah. same yeah. result, which is they are. They are the same thing. Yeah, and you see the problem. The problem with thinking about it as like, uh, well, a heist is this, and it's like, oh, the fun of it is the elaborate planning and all that stuff. Is that not all? Uh, that's that's not a that's not like a a thing that has to be done. That's something that became like really popular with Ocean's Eleven and The Sting. Yeah, but it, before The Sting, it wasn't a thing. You know, oh, that was a good rhyme. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't like. People didn't go to heist films and expect sort of like overly elaborate planning sequences. Yeah. Until sort of Ocean's Eleven made that really, really popular. So thinking that's a convention is sort of dangerous because then you're you're thinking, well, the genre is Ocean's Eleven. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah, the yeah, genre. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just not the case. Um, a lot of the time a crime story, a criminal story will be from the point of view of the criminal after the, they've committed the crime, they've been caught and everything. And they're kind of just, um, trying to get back what they lost because they got caught, which is Parker, which is the whole Parker s- series of stories. Um, uh, Mel Gibson made a version of the film called Payback, I think it was. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, Jason Staten did a, fil- a version of it called Parker, which I didn't see, but the right, the, it's a book. It's a series of books. Sure. Okay. Uh, and Darwin Cook, the late Darwin Cook, he made a really great graphic novel of them. Uh, but that thing is like the guy committed a crime. He's been, you know, he's owed money and he's trying to get the money back. Yeah. And but his heist is not like an overly elaborate planning. It's I'm going to beat you until you give me the money that I'm owed. <laughs> and they're like, I'll give you more money. It's like, I don't want more money. I want the exact amount you owed me. It's like, why would you do? Why are you doing this? Just take Like, just stop. Just give up. It's like, no, I want... I, it's the principle of the thing. I need my money back. You know? So, uh, and again, you see, when you say it's the principle of the thing, it's about justice. Yeah, sure. Like, it's my money. Sure. It's unfair what's happened to me, right? Okay, well, that that's a good point to um, to kind of move on to, uh, I guess we'll call this structure. Um, the, the certain kind of um, beats or moments that you can hit uh, or emphasize in a certain way. Yeah, like if you if you look at sort of heist stories in general, particularly the ones that are about the overly elaborate planning, um, there is sort of a really basic structure to them. And yeah. bef- what you t- just before we get into it, um, yeah, it, I, I, the reason I brought it up at that point is because you were just talking about actually how some of these sections you can have very short. Some of them can already be d- be done, and actually we just talk about yeah, they could be in the backstory. Yeah, um, but it's it, but I, I suppose like I mean there's a, there is something to be said about going to the clearest obvious example. Yeah, and so oceans. Ocean's, Ocean's 11. Eleven will be the clearest example because it's of this. sort of the model at the moment. Yeah. But I I say that with the with the caveat that this is not a formula. This is not you do this, then you do this, then you do this, then you do this, then you do this. Boom, it's over. Yeah. Um. There's this is that's the danger of these things. Like where you think it's this, this, this. It's just like it's just this is sort of like a basic structure that you can use as a skeleton to start. Yeah. But it's it's not it's not it's not a finished story. Here's the here's here's something to consider before we go into this. Um in in the last podcast we did on sequences, yes. the die hard one. Yeah. Um and I tweeted this uh afterwards, but you said something along the lines of um uh it's when you research other movies, other yeah. movies uh are not a yardstick to ape. Yeah, it's a yardstick to sort of measure your work against. That's right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's not something. So when we go through the, how this works for Ocean's Eleven, you shouldn't then, yeah, carbon copy this. No, I mean they did for twelve. <laughs> yeah, th- that's yeah they did right. They did right? for the sequels, and it yeah. wasn't nearly as satisfying. Exactly. Um, um, but the but there are moments that you can hit in the uh, in these sort of high stories. It's, it's more like these are questions you need to address. Okay. And this is how Ocean's Eleven addressed them. Okay. And so it's and uh, as I say, like as you're learning, as you're writing, right? It's totally okay to just copy. It's a problem when you publish it, right? <laughs> uh, so if you're trying to learn, this is the this is how every artist and every medium learns, right? You play the greats. If you're a musician, yeah, yeah. If you're an artist, they used to, you know, you have to you have to learn how to draw 
like the Masters. Yeah. So you that's how it works. So it's totally fine to sit down, break down Ocean's Eleven and try and then like go, okay, I'm gonna write my own heist story as it were, and keep the same sort of structure as Ocean's Eleven. That's totally fine. Yeah. It's a problem if you think and now it's done. Because all <laughs> you've done is copy Ocean's Eleven. It's not gonna be that great. You know, people don't want to necessarily see that. Okay, enough teasing, let's get into it. So. Okay, so the first thing that will happen is the mark and the score, right? So They'll, the, the the story will explain who the mark is, like the victim victim of the crime, yeah. and what is the score, what they're going to get yeah. out of the c- committing the crime. And, um, so this is done in Ocean's Eleven in the scene with Danny Ocean and Rusty. Yeah. Uh, I think they might even be in a bar. Yeah. Um, and it's just them talking and he says, I want to rob these three casinos. Yeah. Uh, and Rusty yeah. identifies them as Andy Garcia's casino. So we find out the mark. Yeah. We find out um, yeah. uh, what's involved, which is money. Yeah. Um, and that's that. And the and the reason that those are the two important elements is the mark is very important for empathy, because the audience has to empathise with the criminals. Yeah. And so how do you get the audience to empathise with someone who's going to commit a crime? Well, the the crime they're committing is a form of justice. Yeah. And they're, they're just in doing it. Um, and so, gen- or <laughs> either if they're not just, then there's a sense of, like, it's illegal, but there's no real victim. So in the lady killers, right, they make a point, like, no one's getting hurt. Yeah. We're literally stealing pennies, but we're stealing so many pennies <laughs> that we're going to walk away rich people, but we're stealing pennies. Okay. And then the whole film wrestles with the whole fact that should they kill the one witness, which is the sweet old lady. Yeah. Right? So that's the whole film wrestling with that, with that thing. But the heist itself is like, there's no victim, so we're okay that they committed the crime. Yeah. We don't mind them getting away with the crime. We do kind of mind them murdering an old lady. But we don't mind them stealing pennies from people who don't feel it. Um, we don't, but importantly, the way they deal with that yeah. is uh, kind of, it, it still hits that empathy mark because they're not... Yeah. They don't gun straight for her. No. They could they could take her out quite easily. She's yeah. an old lady. Yeah. She the, probably won't fight back. That's kind of, I think, a line from the film. Oh, right, there you go. <laughs> I think that might be something one of them says. Um, uh, and in Breaking Bad, for example, we don't see the victims of Heisenberg's drug no. empire, no, right? No. Uh, we know they exist, but we don't mind so much because Heisenberg is so smart. They allude to them through. Uh, they allude to them through yeah. uh, kind of indirect speech, and they also allude to them yeah. through metaphor. And we feel that Heisenberg has been unjustly dealt by life. Yeah. Right. So he yeah. deserves something, and we go. Oh, and so we're we're caught on this tightrope between like, is it okay that he's doing this? And then we go, oh, maybe it's not. And then Gus shows up, and we go, yeah, it's all right if you get Gus. Yeah. You know, he goes, <laughs> you know, it's okay, you can kill the twins. You know that kind of stuff. So, um, so in Ocean's Eleven, they tell us why it's okay. <laughs> Yeah. That they're going to rob Andy Garcia and go, yeah, it is all right. Yeah, take him out. So it's come, fine. So to Steal come, all that money. <laughs> to come back to the way we introduced this little section then, it, it, it's it's not okay to ape that section from uh, Ocean's Eleven and no. not understand why you're doing it. Yeah, but exactly. If you, if you can hit the moments in your story where you yeah. identify the mark and the score and that creates empathy yes. for your criminal. Well, you see, one of the things that could happen is that you could have a criminal that commits a crime and then feels enormous guilt over it. Yeah. And now we have empathy with the criminal. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. To the mark, it can be someone who really, 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 we don't want them to hurt. Such as in Breaking Bad when he goes with Crazy Kate. Yeah. Right? Heisenberg doesn't want to kill Crazy Eight, and we don't want him to kill Crazy Eight, 
And then he's constantly having to wrestle with the fact that he might have to kill him. And then we're okay with it, kind of, when we realize that Crazy 8 would have killed him. Yeah. Right? So we got, you know, self-defense almost. But it's one of those things where it's like, the point of the Mark thing is you're trying to make empathy with the criminal as they commit a criminal act. It doesn't matter so much um, if it, if that doesn't, sorry, rather, it doesn't mean the criminal has to be better than the victim. Yeah. You can have it the other way around. It's just that, how do you keep empathy? So the whole point of this sort of section is the mark basically says, okay, it's okay for him to commit this crime. Yeah. Or we will still have empathy even if they commit this crime. Or we want to see this person... We, you know, we have empathy with the protagonist, which in this case is the criminal. Yeah. So addressing the mark of why it's okay to be empathetic with the criminal. The score does another thing. The score then tells you how difficult we expect the crime to be. Because if the score... It's, it's when you say the score... Um, I mean, what they hope to achieve by Yeah, the not the movie, the score. No. Not the movie, the score. I thought you were about to talk about the score. No, the I'm talking about the yeah. score of, of the of the of the crime. Yeah. They're, they're going to commit the crime. They're going to get something out of it. What they get determines how hard it's going to be for them to get it. Yeah. And this makes sense, right? Yeah. And so Ocean's Eleven, they're going to steal like $170 million or something yeah. ridiculous like that. So like, yeah, okay, now we understand why they're spending all this money and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Whereas if he wasn't... It was like, we're going to knock over a post office. They go, why are they doing all this elaborate? Do you really need 13 men to do that? Is that like a thing? You know? So it's, so the score sort of tells you how involved that the, the plan is going to, ha- that this uh, criminal enterprise is going to have to be. So it sets us up. So really sort of a, a big, like, I mean, you know, uh, Walter White's plan is so vast. It takes five years to play out. Yeah. Uh, Ocean's Eleven is really vast, so they have this very intricate plan. Yeah. Whereas the Lady Killers, they're they're doing one sort of smash and grab. That's it. So we don't need a huge amount of planning and prepping. We just need to know that they've got they've they've done it properly. Do you yeah. know? Same with the Italian job and things like that. So the more involved, see, that's the thing. If you want to have a heist and you want to have all that fun of the hugely involved, elaborate planning and so on, the score has to be worth that. Yeah. Otherwise, why would you do it? They're criminals, after all. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So, that's that's the point of... So, that mark and the score, that, that element, is all about sort of setting up the uh, object, the sort of desire and motivation of the protagonist and getting the audience in empathy with it. That's what that's about. Okay. That's typically the first thing that's going to happen. Right? Yeah. That's typically the first act. Then? Then, you have the plan. How they're going to do it. Um, and this is sort of a way of dramatizing exposition. The audience loves, loves how to's like how to do this thing and how to do that thing. And they want to see how they're going to pull off the crime. It's really sort of intriguing, you know, how are you going to do this? And so the intrigue of the audience is like, well, you know, if you're going to try and rob a place, like, well, there's all these problems that's going to happen, right? So they want to know how you're going to solve all those problems. They immediately can think of all the clues that are going to pop up, and they want to think how they're going to cover their tracks and get away with it and so on. Yeah. Um, and so the plan is... that's because, really, I'm coming back to your point about every... Uh, or the comedian's <laughs> point about every every man wants to do a heist. Yeah. 
part of the fun of writing in this genre surely is because you think like could I get away with it oh yeah and so when you're watching it that's the fun as well yeah. so in that scene yeah. and in Ocean's Eleven this planned scene is that yeah. great scene at I think Ruben's house yeah who's bankrolling it where Danny goes through and says you know there, yeah. there are cameras there's yeah. motion sensors in the ground there's yeah. this there's security guards there's yeah. security codes we right. won't have yeah. and basically outlines all the ways that they're not going to be able to do it yeah. the audience is thinking Okay, right. So, how would I do it? Yeah, and then that makes them empathetic with the characters. Sure, yeah. How would I solve it? Oh, they're really smart. They're really wonderful. They're underdogs. Yeah, it's really hard to get away with these crimes and things like that. So, yeah, it it just it creates this huge sort of the, the audience wants to know how they intend to do it, and they want to find these things out, and they're intrigued to know what the clues are going to be. Yeah. It's it's the plan is essentially the reverse of the scene where the detective comes on the crime scene and says, "I noticed this, 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 this." You know, when Sherlock steps on yeah. and he goes, "Look at that! Look at that!" It says Rach on the floor. Yes, yeah, she didn't write German for revenge. She was writing Rachel, and she died before she could put the L down. You know, and it's like, did you not see this? Did you, you know, you look, you don't observe Watson. The whole thing, like that's yeah. that moment in Sherlock is this moment in the heist. It's just the other way around. We're watching the criminal basically create the crime scene. And we're going like, how do you create a crime scene that can you get away with it? Normally, this is a scene in a murder mystery that the writer has to do, but we never see. Yeah. We see the writer solving it. But in a heist, it's the other way around. Because now, we don't need to see Andy Garcia, as it were, solve the crime. Because we know where all the clues are. Yeah. So as soon as he sees them, we go, oh, yeah, he's worked it out. Yeah. So we're, it's on just the other flip side of the coin. We're getting to watch all those wonderful things of them putting all the hiding all the clues that they're going to leave. Importantly, Ocean's Eleven doesn't tell you how they're going to do it. No, which is <laughs> part, which they're, part they're not going to do it. Right? The, yeah, just outlines yeah. all the ways, all the obvious ways right. that they can't do it. And yeah. so you think pretty much all the bases are covered. You just think this this vault is impenetrable. Yeah. Like, there's just no way. Which is what I think. Which is exactly what you want from a high Isn't that what Saul says? Yeah. Doesn't he say like, so if we can get past yeah, this, yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. It, yeah. we're just supposed to walk out? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, wait, how? <laughs> and so now we're really intrigued because yeah. we're like, how, how? So there's this balancing act between intrigue and um, uh, for, for intrigue in the story, which is you want to, you don't want to know everything. But you want to you want to be just like on the cusp of knowing everything. Yeah. Uh, so you feel like, oh, I, I'm missing one little thing. Like, what am I missing? How are they going to get away with this? Similarly, when it's the other way around, you go, what am I missing? Who done it? Yeah. It's the exact same thing. It's just flipped. There's a. Um... You see, this is this is why this is why I say like why why I get kind of finickety about the heist is a subgenre of crime because if you go, it's a subgenre of crime. Suddenly. All those detective stories that you've watched are now research and ammunition for your heist story. Yeah. Because now you can look at a Sherlock episode, study how he breaks down a crime scene and go, the heist planning scene is the reverse of this. Sure. So instead of just copying what Ocean's Eleven did, you can now also copy Sherlock. <laughs> well, it makes you think of it in a different way. It opens That's it, it up. Yeah, right? exactly. And it, it gives you different ways to present it. One yeah. of the um, kind of, uh, I guess, cliches uh, of this planning scene, if you look at other examples, um, sometimes they lean on the montage. So yes. when you when you when you have that planning scene you say, right, in order to pull off this heist we are going to need this, 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 and yeah. this. Um, 
and a quick way of doing that is a montage where you, you show the gang or the criminals gathering these certain things yeah. and therefore we can then progress to the next section yeah. which um, right but uh which is the heist itself but um yeah it's just a really sort of quick way of giving, getting everything out there um oceans 11 doesn't do that no. it presents all the ways they can't do it yeah. and then the fun of the next hour of the movie da- Danny Ocean literally does the Sherlock Holmes thing of saying well Watson what do you think happened and Watson goes I think it was twins and Sherlock goes it's never twins right <laughs> they're like going how about if we just uh, you know break the vault you can't break the vault you morons <laughs> you know, like he's literally doing the exact same thing it's just from the criminal's point of view yeah. uh, and it's just it's terrific and I, I was thinking you know if you think about... Remember the excellent bit in The Wire where they solve the crime in The Wire with just using the word fuck? <laughs> do you remember this? Oh, yes, I do. Well, right? As in, it, the characters just yeah, say the word fuck. They just say yeah. that. They don't say anything else and you watch them solve the entire crime, right? And you go, wow. And I'm like, where's the heist equivalent of this? Where's the, where's the heist equivalent where they plan the heist without saying a word? Do you know of an example? There isn't one. Oh, right. But how cool would it be? Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, there's a lot of options that are available in this form. Yeah, yeah. That are kind of being ignored because people think you've got to copy George Clooney. Right. Which is no bad thing. No, it's not, actually. <laughs> I'm okay with this. Um, okay, so let's move on to that heist. The and then, heist then the next bit is the heist itself. They pull off the crime and you watch the crime. And so some stories, this might be really, like, this might all be act one. Yeah. But in other stories, this is Notions Eleven. This is Act Three now. Yeah, and they pull off the heist. That's in, that, that's really a important point, actually. Is, that these can, depending on how you tell your story, yeah. these can be in different acts. So I just yeah. didn't want to brush past that. No, in Ocean's Eleven. Um, so the first act climax in Ocean's Eleven is when they decide that they're going to rob Andy Garcia. Yeah, and then the it's, sec- him, it's him and Rusty together. We're going to rob Andy Garcia. I think it's the whole team, right? Well, that's that's no no the second act that's the second act climax. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, second, the second act, act climax is, is when they all decide like, okay, well, this is this is going to happen, right? Yeah. And so the third act is in Vegas. Yeah. And it ends negatively when um, they seemingly get caught. Yeah. Uh, in the heist, then the fourth act is them pulling off the, the double yeah. bluff. So yeah. the heist is like the big, the big sort of section of the film as you watch them pull off this this heist that they've been planning. Yeah. So in 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 Ocean's Eleven, they they hold off telling you how they're going to do it and right. the heist itself what they do is they just give you piece by piece yeah um uh, and so each kind of little uh the, each kind of little sequence yeah going back to the terminology from Die Hard um that we spoke about last week each little sequence is okay we need to achieve x yeah in order to pull off the big picture right We're still not giving you the big picture but we we need yeah. this so one and they've is, done all their planning in advance yeah they you know that it's all planned yeah you know it's all planned but some criminals uh will improvise during the heist they haven't finished yes. planning yeah 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 well, so the that, plan happens in the heist you see what i mean well they do that in this so uh, an mm. example of the clue in the little sequence is livingston the tech guy yeah um has to get sort of uh, uh, deeper into the casino to do something technical and yes. that's pretty much all you have yeah. to go on so it involves a couple of the brothers um, um, uh, Casey Affleck is one of the brothers he's fantastic yeah he's uh, very funny uh, he, he, he and his brother start arguing over balloons yes um, uh, and they, they let go of these helium balloons and it covers up a camera allows Livingston to get yeah. into the back area of the uh, of the casino and plug in this little technical bit yeah. of, of equipment 
And when he does it, we suddenly realise that Danny and the team have access to the cameras. And we think, right, right fantastic. This yeah. is great. The sequence isn't over yet because on his way out, yeah. he has the a map of the back area uh, drawn out in marker on his hand yeah. but he's been really sweaty yeah. but he's so nervous yeah. uh, so now he can't find his way back and somebody um, uh, one of the casino guys uh, um, is a little suspicious goes to where he plugged in this camera finds a little box yeah. and starts walking after him so now the tension's going yeah, and you're thinking he's get caught. How is, he, is he going to get caught how's he going to get away with this yeah. eventually he catches them at the door uh, and he just says hey you forgot this yeah uh, do you get good reception? It's a little miniature TV, that's yeah. it. Do you get good reception on this thing? And yeah. the guy goes, excellent. <laughs> and just walks off. Uh, and that's it. That's a little sequence. But you, you don't, yeah. obviously, But as he's doing it, you don't know why he's doing it. But once he's plugged it in, you realise um, yeah. that, that clearly that's something they would need to pull off the highest access to the cameras. Right. Um, so this whole, the, the, you, he don't, they never give you the big picture no, they just give you these um, kind of little things, bit by bit. We need X, so let's do this. Yeah. Another one, just quickly, is the Basher one, the yeah. Don Cheadle character, when he's um, uh, he's in the sewers, isn't yeah. he? Now I forget why he basically he comes. He's, he's doing the EMP, isn't he? He's no, uh, he's not doing the EMP. Then they have to steal the EMP oh, right. because of this. Basically, he's in the sewers and he's setting something up. Um, and uh, the the there are some construction workers there, and they accidentally um, drill into something and shut all the power down to the oh, casino because that was their plan. That was his yeah. That was he was going to do that. And they did it by accident, which yeah. means now he can't do it. Now he can't do it. Which, so you know, so you don't know why they want to shut down all the power to the casino, right. but um, so, but but they've established now that that's yeah. what they were going to do. So how do they get around it? Yeah. Okay, we have to steal an EMP from a university, yeah. and there's this is kind of. Fun, yeah. very mini smash and grab heist. Right. Uh, yeah, you have you're to cu- steal this bomb. Right, and you're just kind of sitting there going, like, how are they going to cover up these clues? Right. Right? They're, they're, like, you're not the detective trying to work out, well, what's the clue? This time he's like, yeah. I know what the clue is. Cover it up. Cover yeah. it up. Cover it up. Cover it up now. <laughs> you fools. But that's the, that, that's the fun of the actual heist section. Now, yeah. that's Ocean's Eleven in other heist movies, um, or stories, rather. Yeah. Uh, you could have them explain how they're going to do it at the beginning. There's right. an episode of Firefly where they do just that. Trash. Yeah, they do that, yeah. Um, yeah, you, you can. You can just have them explain everything right up front. Yeah. Um, and then, if you do that, the audience just presumes things are going to go wrong anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's. Just, I think there definitely is that expectation yeah. that things will go wrong because there's yeah, nothing exactly. more boring than you know yeah, we, things going according to plan, which right? is what happens in Ocean's Thirteen. Right there, you go. That is actually what happens. They they say we're going to do this, and then they they do it, and you kind of go. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong as well. I only saw it the once, and I was disgusted enough that I never went back to it. I didn't hate it that much. <laughs> I, was, I was such a big fan of Ocean's Eleven, though. Uh, so, I get it, yeah. You know, um, at, at the end of Ocean's Thirteen, don't they just rip the vault off the top of the casino? Isn't don't it, they helicopter away the actual? Isn't that the original Ocean's Eleven? It's definitely in thirteen. Is it? No, I mean the original with Sinatra. If they do it in that, then they they then they is that what they took it from? I can't remember. Uh, well, I, can't, I don't know if it's. In the I don't original. remember much of thirteen. I remember little snippets. I remember the ending was really unsatisfactory, and I remember Casey Affleck going pack your things, and that's it. <laughs> that's kind of it. That's all I remember. I remember I saw it in Atlanta. That, okay. That is, that's that. So I'm sorry. I'm mentioning Casey Affleck. It's the balloon bit. He's a balloon boy. 
great fun. Yeah. So, anyway, okay. Uh, so yeah, you so got that, the heist. Yeah, that's the heist. Yeah. So the, the yeah the the point I'm making is that again, you don't need to ape um, yeah. Ocean's Eleven. No, you, you, you can do it in a different way. And then after the heist in Ocean's Eleven, they get caught, right? Yeah. So the core event of a crime story is the exposure of the criminal. Right, the criminal has to get exposed to the world that they've been put in. So sometimes, if the world is very small, like a couple of characters, they have to be exposed to a couple of characters, like in Reservoir Dogs. Right, they just have to be exposed amongst themselves. Yeah. Uh, whereas if the world is very large, they need to be exposed to the entire world that they're in, such as Heisenberg. Right. Yeah. Walter White. Uh, so the heists. Uh, sorry. So Ocean's Eleven. The world is essentially the, the characters, Andy Garcia, and that's it. It's, it quite, it's small, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it doesn't really go any further yeah. than that. So uh, what we're waiting for is we're waiting for Danny Ocean and his team to get exposed. Yeah. This has to happen, no matter what the point of view is. Because if the c- criminal is never exposed, you never. it's like not having the mercy scene in an action story. Yeah. You never hit the heights of emotion, right? Yeah. So this is the most intriguing moment of the story, which is they've been exposed... Now what? How are they going to get away? How are they going to get away? In a detective story, exposing the criminal is the most intriguing yeah. moment because you find out who done it. Uh, in a crime story, uh, sorry, in, a, in the criminal's point of view, um, exposing the criminal means how are they going to get out of it? Yeah. Right. So I just quick example yes. actually. Um, it's just the, the way you phrased it. Um, reaching the heights. The yeah. show will never reach the heights, or the story will never no. reach the heights unless they're exposed. Yeah. Two key examples here. One, Breaking Bad, the best rated episode yeah. on IMDb for Breaking Bad is not the finale. It's Ozymandias. It's Ozymandias, which yeah. is when Walter is exposed yeah. to Hank. That yeah. is a great episode. Yeah, fully exposed. Fully exposed. I mean, that's, he, start, that's he gets exposed at the end of the season five thing, you know, when Hank's on the toilet. He does, but in point, it's not when, full. It's not full. When we he broke, hasn't got him. When we broke it, when we broke it down, um, and we did the lecture on it, um, I remember talking to you about this. The moment when um, uh, Walter, it's in slow motion, and he hits the deck. He falls to his knees, yeah. and his his hands are behind his head, like he's yeah. just been That's handcuffed. It. That is the moment. That's, That's it. where he knows the game is up. That's when we're our most intrigued. Yes, because now we're sitting there going like, okay, yeah. is he going to get away with this? Or is he not? Yeah. Like, exactly. is he actually going to jail, or is Hank? Or is he somehow going to turn the yeah. tables on Hank? How is this going to play? We're that. I'm most intrigued. Whereas the flip side, Dexter never hits the heights because he's no. never ever exposed. He's never exposed. And the, you never it, asked it, that it, the closest it came was when Deb finds out. Yeah. 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 And when Deb finds out, you go, <gasps> and then it never goes anywhere. But anyway, so because uh, he never <laughs> revealed to Miami Metro. No, that's it. So um, coming back to Ocean's so Eleven. So Ocean's then. Eleven, they get exposed, right? He gets caught. Yeah. He knows they stole the money. Uh, the SWAT team gets sent in. Yeah. They get shot up. Yeah. Everything's like, <gasps> how are they going to get out of this? What? What? How? What? How? And so, are, are they or aren't they? What's going to happen? So, the uh, thing is, so the last act is how they get out of it. How they manage to turn the tables and get away with the crime. And in Ocean's Eleven. And in Ocean's Eleven, it's a double bluff. So what we see is the the heist, that, those closing moments with the SWAT team. Yeah. And we see that from um, the 
uh, criminal's point of view. Yeah. Um, as because originally we hear it um, yeah. from Andy Garcia's point of view. Right. So it flips POV. So now we go back to the criminal's point of view. Yeah. And actually, we see what really happened, which is the SWAT team was right. was um, Brad Pitt and exactly. a bunch of the other guys. Yeah. And it's all been a big trick. Yeah. The whole point of it was they were making it look like they were robbing the banks that Garcia would send in the SWAT team. Unaware yeah. that the SWAT team they just sent in because they hacked the nine eleven call and everything yeah. is in fact themselves, and that's how they walk out the front door with the money because he thinks it's the police. Yeah, uh, and so that's just this great, great twist. That's how they get out of it. Um, I so, think you know, and actually, I've not thought of it like that. With all that stuff at the beginning in the planning scene, yeah, where you say you know we can't borrow in, we can't do this, we can't do that. Yeah, I mean, effectively. They do just walk in as well. Yeah. I mean, a couple of them break in yeah. and manage to get through certain bits yeah. in order to enact certain parts of the plan. But actually, the SWAT team itself just... Andy invites them in. Yeah. He calls the cops, come, yeah. go down to the vault. He lets sort them in and he lets me. them out. Yeah. Because they magic. know they can't get through the security, so they just have to yeah. trick him. And um, and it just works really well. And it's just and it's and it plays into the motif of the film that, you know, it's like a big, you know, it's a magic trick. Yeah, you know, all all the imagery of, of of magic is there in Vegas and the casino and everything. So it's this great uh, trick that they just double bluff their way out of it. And uh, there's all these great setups, and you have and you have the same rush of insight when you find out who the murderer is in a in a detective story, right? You have the same rush of insight when you go, oh, that's why they had the uh, the other vault, right? Yeah, because they have they they make a fake vault of a mock up of the vault, and you, and you think, oh, it's because the vault is. Um, you think they they you think they want to practice uh, practice. The implication is they're going to practice because you even see them. Uh, Yen, yeah, he's acrobat, practicing. Isn't he? yeah. Practices his uh, backflip from the center to yeah. another bit, um, and you know this is a setup for later when he's actually got to do this. And when he does that, it doesn't turn out that they've got it slightly wrong. <clears throat> um, they've got the layout slightly wrong. No, the well, the the end the, part goes. The slightly, dimensions are slightly. The off, end part goes slightly wrong. Yeah. Um, later on, but that's for different reasons because he's he's fault. <laughs> he's a contortionist uh, yeah. as well as acrobat. So he's now he's inside this little box. Yeah. That they've managed to sneak their way into right. the vault. Yeah. Um, but the suitcase that Saul gives and uh, Andy Garcia to put in there, they leave on top of the box. So as Yen gets out, oh, he has to um, grab the box. He has to grab that before and then he gets. The then when he's planting the uh, the the um, explosive devices, yeah. uh, he gets his bandage caught. And oh, yeah. so there's all kinds of things. It's all these great wrong. little things. Yeah. So we th- but we think like yeah, that's they practiced it. But in fact, what they've done is they filmed yeah the robbery yeah in the fake one beforehand and then they loop it through the tape so it looks like Andy Garcia's being robbed Yeah. so that way Andy Garcia sends in the SWAT team to stop a robbery that he thinks is happening but in fact isn't happening yeah. it, it's a fake robbery and then once he sends the SWAT team in that's when the real robbery is happening yeah. but he's looking at a video of the SWAT team killing people because they throw the flashbang grenade so it blocks out the camera so you can't yeah. see what's happening he just hears the shots right and then and so you got this whole thing of just like, oh, that's why they had the fake vault. That's why they did this. That's why they did that. All these things that I missed out on. Yeah. It's exactly the same rush that you would get when the detective goes and the murderer did it. Except this time you're going like, oh, yeah. And importantly, that's I mean, there, there's it. a difference between between cluing this story properly. Yeah. We'll talk about the double bluff in a bit more detail now. Um Including your story well enough that you... Um, how did you define it earlier? You said you hide a second layer of meaning underneath... Yeah, 
second clue. Uh, yeah, the clue has a second layer. A second of layer that's hidden that you that's don't right. know about, and then when they reveal it, you go, "Oh, yeah. that's what." The, so that the the vault so is two, the example of that. Yeah, right? the, so, so the, you think it's a practice thing, but but it turns out no, it's actually it's actually how they're going to get away with it. But going back to the Livingston uh, example I gave earlier with the camera, yeah, he hooks the um um this little device up, and they have access to the cameras, and you yeah. think, okay, they've got access to the cameras. Clearly, they would need to do that for the vault. The hidden layer of meaning being, well, if they've got access to the cameras, they can feed. Uh, a signal into it which they do later yeah, exactly because they videoed this fake vault so they yeah. feed this signal in using the same right and they, and they and they use the same hookup to make it so that he can't when he calls 911 he gets them exactly instead, yeah right? they tell you right at the beginning of the yeah. movie or right at the beginning of the, the, the third act of yeah. the, the heist that this is they have access to this yeah exactly and so it's it. just there it's planted in your mind and so yeah it's so it's ex- it's exactly when Sherlock Holmes goes, "You missed this clue," and you right. go, "Oh, of course I missed that clue." Yeah. Duh. Uh, or in the more, more recent ones, when um, uh, Sherlock, for example, that one of the clues that we have is that um, Sherlock doesn't know how the solar system works, right? And it just seems like it's a funny gag, it's a funny yeah. throwaway line, but it turns out to be the key clue in how you can spot the fake painting because the fake painting has a a supernova painted on it that couldn't have been done at the time the painting was supposed to have been commissioned therefore right. it's a forgery right yeah. and the only way he can know that is because of the solar system and uh, so that's you know it's the same thing it's like it's just like oh there was the clue but we didn't realise the significance of that clue yeah. until the re- until the exposure scene yeah. and in this it's the same thing it's just the other way around we, they hid something from us we didn't realise what they hid yeah. until the exposure scene so um, yeah, and it's, it, it's virtually every aspect of the actual true heist, the the SWAT team and that um, mm. and that trickery. They give you all of it, even to the to the uh, up to and including the remote control van. Yeah, because yeah. the white van that so once they work out, oh my god, we've been robbed. They've gotten away in that white van. Let's chase them down. Yeah, and it's a remote control van. Yeah, which oh, yeah, we yeah, saw. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's the remote control van. Yeah, yeah. When we meet the two twins, Virgil and Turk, at the start of the movie, one of the uh, one of them is using a little remote control car. Right. Right. It's exactly. all clued there through the movie. So there's a difference. It's very between, satisfying. It's really satisfying. Mm. There's a different. And as I, I as I said in the top ten podcast, whenever Ocean's Eleven is on TV, is mm. how I realised it was top ten. Yeah. Whenever I would catch it, no matter where it was in the movie, yeah. I would just watch it. Yeah. To it's the end, it's, it's so fun. And it's so, so satisfying. Much fun. There's a difference, though, between cluing your double bluff well enough and hiding that second layer of meaning yes. and uh, and just straight up lying to <laughs> yeah, I knew it. That's where you were going with that, yeah. yeah. Straight up lying. Just straight up lying, saying... That's Here's really cheap. It's really, really cheap. There's a really movie, cheap. There's a movie called Inside Man with Clive Owen. And uh, it was on. It was on. That's why I'm bringing it up. It was on TV again the other day. Um, and because I knew we were doing this, I thought this is going to be relevant, so I'll, I'll watch it. And I knew it had this twist at the end. I knew it had a double bluff. Yeah. But the way it plays out is the, the way the double bluff works. They only give you one clue. Ocean's Eleven. They all these little ones peppered yeah. throughout the movie. But um, in in Inside Man, they only give you one clue. So you've got an hour and a half of Denzel Washington. So okay, Clive uh, Clive Owen with his team. Bust into a bank, uh, yeah. guns out, and they make it. They they dress everybody up in overalls and make them all dress the same. This is not really a clue as to how they're going to pull off the heist, and you realise that towards the end. Mm. Um, all they're doing through the movie is uh, something with the wall right. in one of the rooms, and they never touch the vault um, uh, 
any of the money in the vault. They touch one particular lockbox, but they don't. They're not clearly not robbing the entire vault. Um, so you go through the movie, and you go. You're following Denzel Washington around uh, from the outside as well as Clive Owen on the inside. And and Denzel's like, we don't, we don't know what they're doing. They're not touching the vault. How are they going to do this? How are they? You know what? You're going to walk out the front door, and Clive Owen even uses the same line. Yeah, I'm going to walk out the front door. Right. Right. Um, and at the at the end of the heist itself, all the um, uh, uh, all the hostages um, and all the criminals are now wearing the same outfits, the boiler suits. They all look the same. Mm. You can't tell them apart. And they're all let out the front door. Mm. Okay? And you think, okay, so the heist's over. The vault's not been robbed. And so there has been effectively no crime apart from this one lockbox. So right. Denzel Washington doesn't really have an awful lot to do at that point. Right. And then a week later, basically, it turns out that Clive, o- that this stuff thing they were doing with the wall is basically putting Clive Owen inside the wall. Right. So when everybody else comes out the front door, Clive Owen then lives in the wall of a bank for a week right. with the lockbox that they'd taken, right. that one item or whatever, and right. then a week later comes out dressed in normal civilian gear and walks out the front door right that's it so their plan is a David Blaine trick right just sit in a box for a week right yeah there you go so the 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 lie is that all all they do the only clue they give you as to how they're going to pull off this heist is we're doing something with the wall right okay there's no hidden layer of meaning they're just doing. They're just doing. <laughs> the wall some, is a clue. Yeah, the, <laughs> you'll see how later. They're just doing something with the wall. Okay, so at the end, when he uh, when he's been living in the wall all the time, you think, okay, he's been living in the wall the whole time. Now what? There's, there's, so it's really unsatisfying at the uh, end. So it's it's clued very yeah. very badly. I I I, I uh, there was a BBC show called uh, Hustle. Oh yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Hustle, which I I saw a lot of and I quite liked. Yeah, I've just started watching it. It's actually a lot of fun. Yeah. But there are some episodes that are, like any TV show, some episodes are bad. And what's interesting, actually, if you want to learn about heist writing and stuff, The Hustle is great. Because The Hustle is exactly the same. It's like watching Columbo or whatever. Sorry, you mean The Hustle or Hustle? Hustle. Whatever the TV show is called. The yeah, British hustle. one. Just, just hustle. hustle? Yeah, I, it, it's just worth clarifying because I'm sure there's a. There's, film there's like the, the hustle, hustle, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, Every episode is very, oh, very. And it's, it's on Netflix as well. Hustle. Is it on? Yeah, for oh, our first season on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, I I think I didn't see the first season. I think I saw the later seasons. I know I saw sure. the last season in particular. Okay. They have a cast change at one point, right. and I saw I think the season before the cast change, and then the seasons after. Sure. Something like that. Uh, I think uh, it has um, Lila from Dexter. In it, it? Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah. She leaves. Right. She's one of the cast switches. They switch her out with someone. Okay. okay. Um, anyway, yeah, so season anyway, one on Netflix. So what's fun about it is it's because of the same form over and over again, and some are good and some are bad. It's a really nice learning tool because you get to see the same characters in the same situation, but sometimes it doesn't work. Right. Sometimes it does work, and then you go, why didn't it work this time, and why did it work that time? And... The problem with Hustle, when it's not satisfying, is when you know that they're going to do a double bluff, because they always do a double bluff, but you you know the double bluff is coming, you either know exactly what the double bluff is, in which case it's really predictable and uninteresting, 
or you don't know what it is because they haven't given you the clues to work it out. Right. And the problem with the, with hustle is because every time it's a double bluff, unless the double bluff is just really brilliant in its idea, you know it's coming. And so you just kind of get bored. Yeah. It's like house, you know? After a while, you just get bored going, yeah, I know that's not the disease. I remember talking to you about house when we started watching it. Yeah. And you, and you said, well, when you're watching house, um, if, when he's solved, when he's cured the disease... Yeah. Check your watch. Yeah. Is it is it the last 10 minutes? No, then it's not the disease. He's wrong. <laughs> He's wrong. And it's going to get worse. Yeah. Uh, and that's every episode. And the reason I got sick of House was because I can't solve the crime. Right. I can't do it. I don't have a medical journal next to me of esoteric diseases that may or may not even exist. Like, I can't I can't solve this crime. So when House goes, of course, all along it was this. I'm like, and <laughs> What? Okay. Whereas the hustle you're watching, you're like, I think that's probably not what they're doing. They're probably doing something else. Yet. Yeah. And the most egregious examples of them failing is when the characters would do scenes that they would never do because of the double bluff. Yeah. They're they're just lying to us. Yeah. They're tricking us. And when I saw those scenes, I'm like, you're just tricking me. Those characters wouldn't say those things in that situation unless they thought they were being watched by an audience yeah. which means they know they're in a TV show like what's going on right yeah. so it just doesn't work but it, it but the show uh, I mean particularly uh, after I mean I watched I don't know how many seasons so towards the end I was getting a bit sick of it yeah but it was a lot of fun the characters are, are really it's a lovely surprised. cast yeah. it's really actually really I've entertaining only, I've um, only um, it's really styly I've only, yeah, I've only watched a couple of episodes so yeah. far um, but it's only recently I thought I'm going to sit down and start looking at high stuff but yeah. um, it's uh, part of the fun, by the way, is it's got the sense of humour. Yes. And also the music is very, very similar in style to the Ocean's Eleven it's, stuff. It's, it's very much Ocean's too. Eleven, the TV series. Yes, absolutely. It's very much that. And much like Ocean's Eleven, the films, you know, some are really good, yeah. <laughs> some are not. And it's just so obvious that it's coming. And So this double bluff thing, the double cross, the danger here is thinking that I think that uh, if you're doing a story from the criminal's point of view... They have to somehow. The way they get out of it is just by tricking everyone. Yeah, uh, that's what Danny Ocean does. This that's is... what con men do. Grifters might do. Right. But if you've got a criminal uh, like the character, say from Reservoir Dogs, right? These guys aren't con men and grifters. It doesn't no. make sense. They would double bluff their way out of it. This is why I, I wrote down something you said earlier um, under this section because I wanted to bring it up again. You yeah. mentioned when you're doing research, casting too small a net. Yeah. So I've only rec- I only recently decided to start researching these kind of stories a bit more. So my net at the moment is very small, which is yeah. why I came into this discussion yeah. today thinking, um, okay, so heist movies have a double bluff at the end. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. my net involved Inside Man, Ocean's Eleven, yeah. the Hustle episodes, right. the Sting, Yeah. Um, where actually when you cast that net wide enough, you yeah. start to understand actually it's just not, the, it's not a formula. It's not. No. And what you realise as well is that, remember how in the Columbo, if you go back and watch the listen to the Columbo podcast, yeah. I talk about how Columbo has a unique style of solving a crime that no other detective has. I know what you're going to say and this yeah. is great. So go criminals have their unique way of committing the crime, right? Perfect. So Danny Ocean's way of committing the crime is, I'm going to trick you, I'm yep. going to pull a double bluff and so on. But if every criminal does that, then they f- they all meld together, right? Yeah. Dexter doesn't... <laughs> 
doesn't commit crimes that way. Heisenberg does not commit crimes that way. I think more than anything else you've said today, that's the that's ridiculously useful. That's, <laughs> uh, just certainly in my head, that's unlocked something, <laughs> okay, right? Fine, there, yeah, it's, sure. it's a really nice way of thinking of it because yeah. as soon as you think, right, well, the double bluff is specific to this character, then why would you copy it? Right, exactly. Right? How how would my criminal get away with it? There. As opposed to how would my criminal, who's a copy of Danny Ocean, get away with it? Something just fell, don't worry. (laughs) Parker, (laughs) Parker, right? He does not double bluff people. He's very open. He just walks up to him and goes, This is what's going to happen. Right. And they go, Okay. And he just intimidates and beats people until they get given what he wants. So, some, so this whole concept, like Danny Ocean is a wonderful sort of magician type criminal and he's wonderful, but he's different to the characters in The Sting. Yeah. They do a double bluff, but it's very different, their double bluff. Right? Their double bluff is a grift. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Danny Ocean's is a magic trick. Yeah. Right? So uh, so the, this this idea that the criminals have their own ways of getting out of these jams. Uh, one of my favorite ones is um, Anthony Hopkins' character in Fracture. The way he gets out of it is he commits the crime, plants all the evidence that could possibly um, uh, convict him in full view has them bring him up on charges and then as a, his own lawyer shows how all the evidence that he put there for them to find <laughs> is wrong and gets out double jeopardy. So he yeah. can't be prosecuted for the crime again. He gets acquitted. Like, that's how he's going to get out of it. He's going to play the law. That's how... Uh, so Anthony Hopkins is this meticulous planner, but he's not doing the double bluff. Yeah. Right? So it's just... So, yeah. So that, But that's how Danny Ocean does it. Danny Ocean's character is this great... That's why also when we see Ocean's 12 and 13... We want to see him do the double bluff because it's Danny Ocean. Yeah. The fun of Danny Ocean and his thing is he has this elaborate plan and underneath it is the magic trick where he misdirected you, he did a sleight of hand. I mean, literally, it's like a sleight of hand thing. He gets away with it. You go, ah, oh, what a great trick, right? He even kind of afterwards tells the guy, I tricked you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, he, yeah. like a proper magician is like, haha, give me an applause. And it's like, nah, he got me. I, he fooled me. I didn't see how that no, happened. He's, he's a Penn and Teller magician. He's, he's Penn not. And Teller. He's not a. He's yeah. not a typical state. Yeah, he's magician. not even. He's not even just a magician. He's Penn yeah. and Teller. Yeah. Right. He's Penn and Teller. It involves death. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's Penn and Teller. So that's Danny Ocean. He's the Penn and Teller of, of crime. How awesome is he? And so when we see Ocean's 12 and 13, Ocean's 12 makes a bit of sense that he's kind of meta because Penn and Teller are a bit of meta. So like Julia Roberts uh, plays Tess and then in the film she meets Bruce Willis and pretends to be Julia Roberts. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) It gets really weird. And then Ocean's 13 is so disappointing because he doesn't do a trick. That is Ocean's 12, that is the cutest bit it's very it's, that great it's dis- almost too silly oceans 12 it is a bit but uh, it's just that great conversation where they're like i think you look a bit like her yeah you do look a bit like her and then you're like what what, what are you to and then she goes into the conversation <laughs> pretends to be julia roberts and then um but the problem with oceans 12 is um the reveal that they committed the crime before they even tried to do it so the whole thing was just a farce yeah it doesn't feel like a it, it's not a particularly smart trick no that's the problem when you when you have uh, when you have these sort of double blocks with Danny Ocean going here's my magic trick of crime when someone says here's my magic trick and here's the solution to the trick uh, it's the same with the crime story uh, from the detective's point of view if the if the actual solution isn't that interesting it's it, it doesn't yeah. work the audience just goes well, oh was that it yeah, 
And so, um, especially with stuff where, where it is like, uh, like the Ocean's Twelve example, where you say, "Well, they'd already done it," and yeah. so you can, it leaves you kind of feeling a bit sour and thinking, "Well, yeah. therefore, why did I watch the kind of you know the rest of this go on?" Yeah, um, it's 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 similar to that lying to yeah. the audience. You know, yeah. it's it's kind of withholding information as opposed to cleverly layering your clues. Yeah, exactly. Which is a great moment just to really quickly touch on the the cluing because I know you wanted to talk about the nature of the cluing. Yeah, I know we've we touched on it already, but I just wanted to to highlight the example. Um, so because we're at the, we're, because we're the, uh, this is great. This is the exact same face you pulled last time. Why <laughs> on the Die Hard podcast when I was doing the um, doing the timestamps for it? There's a moment where I bring up a subsection. Yes, <laughs> and you're just like. I have no idea. We make notes beforehand, and I have no idea what you're talking what about. Are you telling them, realized... Why are you telling them before? Like, they can't see my face. I know. You were talking. They didn't know. They don't know that this is all smoke and mirrors, Luke. <laughs> I haven't even seen Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, so I got distracted by your face because I I know that face. Okay. I know that face. Okay. Anyway, so when because uh, because the story is told through the point of view of the criminal. The uh, cluing and the way we feel about this. Stop pulling faces. <laughs> <laughs> the way we feel about the clues is different. So yes. when we talked about, um, uh, um, for example, let's talk about Saul. There's a yes. moment in Ocean's Eleven where Saul is in character. Yes, he's this Prince Russian arms guy, dealer, right? Uh, a Russian oil baron or something. I like think that. it's an arms. Oh, dealer. is it an arms dealer? Yeah, I think so. He's like he's a dangerous guy. Oh, okay. So he's he's being led by his. Um, uh, his, fake bodyguards, fake bodyguards, um, uh, and meets Andy Andy Garcia. And as the meeting happens, uh, we know how important this is. Um, but as the meeting happens, a guy who knows Saul yes. happens to walk by. It's like Saul, hey Saul, it's yeah. me, it's me. Right, it's exactly. Like, I, yeah. I don't know this man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, and so the it's quest- like Dimitri. Yeah, <laughs> it's like so. The question, the question you ask. Because we're from the criminal's point of view. Yes. We're, we're not looking at it from Andy Garcia. We're not like... No, because we're in the criminal's point of view, we're in Saul's point of view. What we're doing is saying, here is a clue yeah. that Andy Garcia can pick up on and realise that this, there's a heist going on. Yes. Yeah. Planning to rob him. So how are you going to cover this up and yeah. not get noticed and not get exposed? Yeah. Right? Whereas... And whereas, if, it was, if we were doing this film, but this time it's from the point of view of Andy Garcia, okay... And that happens. We go, oh, oh, interrogate him, grab him, put him to one side, uncover him, expose the criminal. Yeah. So we're going in the opposite direction. What's interesting with the crime story, of course, is while we we are going like, don't get exposed, we want them exposed. Yeah. We want them exposed. We just want them to get away with it. Yeah. Um, or whatever. But we don't, we don't, if you didn't actually expose them. Yeah, it would not be fun. So, but yeah, that's the that's the nature of it because the, you're on the other side of the fence. But the, the the interesting thing is the principles are the same, and that's why studying detective stories can help you write heist stories. Yeah, and vice versa. Because if anything, watching really good heist stories will help you come up with a really good crime that needs solving. Yeah, right. But it's, it's the other way around. Has there ever been a great heist story told from the point of view of the detective trying to solve it at the time? Would you, oh, what you mean? The detective is trying to solve an amazing bank robbery. Or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course there is. Well, Sherlock Holmes is essentially that, right? Oh, yeah. No, I guess so. I, I mean, a really I okay. Here's a really obvious one. Columbo. You yeah. actually see the heist. 
You see the villain plan, do the whole crime, yeah. and you go, ooh, cover up that clue. Cover up that. I, I mean, Columbus going to pick up on that. And then Columbus shows up and goes, is it true, sir, that your <laughs> shoes are flat? And you go, Columbus so small. How does he know? Like that. Like there's one episode where he goes, oh, sir, I can't help but notice that you've put your mail on the desk uh, from the you know from the floor you put them up from the floor you put them on the desk goes, yes Columbo everyone does that what's the problem well sir it's just that your best friend was lying dead in the lawn now why would you open the door pick up the mail and put it on the desk like as as, as normal day and goes like well Columbo people this habit Columbo I wish I had those kind of habits sir you know and uh, apologies for my yes. amazing Columbo but um, <laughs> I know you're all in- intimidated by how scarily Peter Fork just showed up uh, but it's what happens. So, but that's that's right. The, that's, audi- the audition shortlist for the new Columbo is going to be you and Alan Tudyk. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's it. And uh, I think I know who wins. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so so that's but that's how like um, Columbo. You know, that's how the clues work um, with Columbo and so on. So it's just like it's just the the other side of that coin. Yeah. But that would be the detective solving the heist. I now realise where I've heard your point before, actually. Um, not about Columbo, because we've had that. We just realized we've, we've done all this already. We've done this already. Um, no, it's the, the point about uh, criminals yeah. um, being criminals in their own unique way. And why would you ever copy that? Because it's a unique character. Why would Sherlock ever play the bum? and be Columbo, right? It would just never happen. Sherlock has played the bum, right? Pretends to be homeless and so on. But when he does, he, it's like, a, oh, excuse me for a second, I'm amazingly Sherlock, slap. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> like, there is one uh, episode in the new Sherlock where to get to Irene Adler, he pretends to just be this priest who's vicar guy who's just been beaten up. He's like, oh, please, can you help me? Please. And they go, yes, come in. And he sits down and then, like, as soon as Irene Adler comes in, he goes, yes, I'm Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> you know, it's just, he's He's basically more daffy than anything else. He's just daffy dark. <laughs> um, okay, let's let's start to wrap this up then. Um, I just want to, um, in in the old way that we we would summarize, I'm just going to whiz through the points. Um, uh, we don't have time for you to make flippant remarks. Sweet. So explain properly. Please. Oh, I thought you were going to do it, and oh, I was I'm just going to relax for a second. <laughs> Well, we don't have time for flipping remarks. Well, I'm out. Oh, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> You're on your own. If I can't do my Christopher Walken, what's the point? <laughs> um, oh, so... <laughs> let's... Uh, the roles of uh, these sorts of stories. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I told you not to. We don't have time. <laughs> there's a detective, there's a criminal, there's a victim. There might be... Uh, multiple characters filling each of these roles or whatever. So Notion's 11. You've got 11 criminals. Yeah. And then the detective and victim is the same character. Yeah. Right? And uh, when you tell it from the point of view of the criminal, uh, all the cluing is not about uncovering clues and exposing the criminal. It's about covering up the clues and preventing the exposure of the criminal. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, the definitions you talked of of caper versus revenge. Yeah, so that basically the difference uh, with crime, when you take, have a crime subgenre, they break down further depending on questions of legality. So a criminal taking on a legal mark versus a criminal taking on an illegal mark is the sort of distinction there. Ace. Okay. Um, the, uh, the different... Uh, sort of sections that you can hit during a, a high story. Uh, so typically you have the question of the mark and the score. The mark telling you basically uh, how to keep empathy with the criminal as they commit a crime. 
and then the score explaining why the criminal, what what uh, length the criminal is going to have to get to in order to get away with their crime, Great. and why they would bother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's about motivation. You've got the plan, yeah. which tells the audience uh, how they're going to commit the crime and uh, how they're going to cover up the clues. Then you have the heist, which is them actually doing the crime, yeah. and those clues coming out, and maybe new clues p- popping up that they don't pick up on and they can't cover up, and so on. And then finally, you have the exposure of the criminal, uh, how they get out of it if they do. Yeah. And in the case of Danny Ocean, he gets out of it by pulling off a magic trick and uh, showing off that he's misdirected the inter- you the whole time, and that he's done a sleight of hand, basically, with your money. Superb. Um, the double bluff specifically. Yeah, which is that. Which is <laughs> okay, um, yeah, yeah. The double bluff enough. is that they they've grif- uh, I mean, the double bluff is not just a magic trick. It sometimes it's a con, it's a grift, yeah. where it turns out that the crime you thought they were committing, or the nature in which they were committing the crime, is not actually the way they were committing the crime. And they're committing the crime a different way. And they've done this through cluing. They did this through cluing. So they said a bunch of clues that they they show you. Here's a bunch of clues that we're going to cover up, and it turns out. The way in which they're covering up the clues is actually the cover up of the. Uh, sorry, the, the, here's the clues that we're going to cover up. They get exposed. Then you t- it turns out the exposure of those clues is actually the how they're covering up the clues, the real yeah. clues. There's actually a whole bunch of real clues that they've been covering up the whole yeah. time. Or to put it and to put it the way you you did earlier, um, hiding a second as a writer. Yeah, hiding a second, second le- layer, second level of meaning in each Fantastic. clue. Fantastic. Um, and then cluing with in relation to um, uh, f- cluing from the criminal's point of view. Yeah, we, we, uh, when when the clues come up, we're looking for how you can cover those clues up. That's what our minds are doing. We're intrigued yeah. to go. What are the clues, and how would you cover them up? Woo! So Ocean's Eleven. Okay, done. Okay, done. Done. A little less conversation. A little more action. Mm-hmm.